Hello and welcome to Adam and Eve on CGSR FM 88.5 in Edmonton and around the world on CGSR.com. My name is Rose Eva Fork Jenkins. My name is Marco Visconti. My name is Harmin Kang. And we'll be your hosts for today's episode of Adam and Eve. Adamant Eve is Edmonton's only feminist news radio show. We are adamant on highlighting, discussing, and engaging with issues that affect women across Edmonton and around the world. On today's show, we're talking to some local feminist organizers about what they do and why. First off, we have Lisa Pruden's interview with Germán Villegas from the Modern Manhood podcast. Next up, we have an interview that Rosiva did with Teresa Whiskey-Jack about the rally she held for Tina Fontaine. Thank you for tuning in. Lisa Pruden sat down with podcast producer Germán Villegas to talk about why he started his own show, The Modern Manhood Podcast, and about why being empathetic is so important to him. The Modern Manhood Podcast is about opening conversations about diverse masculinities. Germán and his guests get vulnerable as they discuss how society's narrow definition of manhood affects them. Thanks so much for joining us here on Adam and Eve. Yeah, you're welcome. This uh, is great. Yeah, it's fantastic. I've been really excited about uh, bringing you on to talk about your wonderful podcast, mm-hmm. The Modern Manhood. The Modern Manhood. Modern Manhood Podcast. Yes. The Modern Manhood Podcast. Yes. Yeah, um, no, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, so why are you doing it? What got you started on it? Um, well, I really wanted to open up a dialogue be- between men in general because I found that a lot of conversations that rely around masculinity are not really being had by men to men. I think that, and I think a lot of a lot of guys have questions about it, and they just don't really know how to answer those questions, or don't really know how to bring it up, or don't, or don't feel that they have the space to do it in a, in without somebody feeling like they're being judged. And I think that's a stigma part of with, with, around masculinity in general. But um, I wanted to do it because I felt that there there was a lack of that conversation, and I and I felt that. A lot of men struggle around that. So, yeah, that's why I wanted to do it. Um, I was listening to the interview that you did with Karen Unland, mm-hmm. and uh, I really liked what you said about um, being a good listener. Um, but that really spoke to me. I was wondering if you wanted to elaborate yeah. on that a bit. You know, I, I a lot of the work outside of this podcast that I do is um, I, do, I do some counseling work, and I do a lot of work around um, with kids and with youth and a lot of that is listening work. <laughs> a lot of that is active listening. Um, so the the main point that I want to be is empathetic. And the main point to that is um, I have to be vulnerable too, to understand different opinions and different ideas. And to be vulnerable means that I have to allow those people, the people that are guests in my show, um, to say what they need to say and to share the stories that they need, that they want to share. And I think that's where we get real true movement and real true progress is when we start listening to each other. Um, so my goal in the Modern Manhood podcast is to be a listener and to encourage people to be listeners and to encourage people to be active listeners. I've heard on your show uh, the phrase toxic masculinity yeah. a few times. Can you define that for us? Toxic masculinity in general um, is considered anything that is a form of toxicity that surrounds being a man. Um, so either, you know, being very insecure of yourself, um, challenging other men about their manhood, challenging 
women and their status of them being either either a breadwinner or not being a breadwinner or their their quote unquote place in society. That's part of toxic masculinity too, um, and also like policing themselves and policing other guys of how to be a man. So like questioning other people's manhoods, and that includes like being heteronormative. So like if 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 somebody says that they're gay, then that's not real a real man. That real men are not gay. They're they're straight. They're straight and they're macho. And that's part of toxic masculinity too. So that's something that we really, um, as men, I think we try to want to reject because you know being masculine is not really uh, all these things at all. As a woman who listens to the podcast, it's it's a refreshing conversation that you have. Um, and listening to the interviews that you do, as each guest deconstructs that toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and how it's affected them in their life, it's really fascinating. Yeah. And it's comforting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like finding a whole bunch of allies out there that yeah. otherwise we wouldn't have known about. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I really hold the, the theory, for the most part, men want to be good (laughs) like i think for the most part like i feel like 90 percent of men want to be this awesome empathetic compassionate person uh that doesn't like violence that doesn't want to be a person that like like denigrates other people but (laughs) there's i feel like a lot of them are stuck inside this bubble where where they're being challenged as guys or if they do to try to do these things then um someone challenges them um, so the point of the podcast as well, too, and I think the point of a lot of the work that I do is to bring those values out of men that are sometimes they're scared to, to do because they're, they're scared that they're going to be challenged. Uh, so to stand up against, you know, things that they see that, they, that are wrong or to raise up a son to value women or value marginalized groups or to accept their own privilege or to... Um, accept their own weaknesses and their strengths and not say that that's unmanly or manly or whatever it is. So I, I really do believe and I really I, I want to come, especially if all my guests to say, like, if you're going to come on my show, I'm going to treat you like you're a person that doesn't want this. Um, and I think I'd want to treat all men like that. And I think as soon as that happens, I try to bring out the best of them <laughs> um, because of the worst of them. Like I. I think a lot of people, when they do that kind of stuff, it is because that they're stuck inside this old like stereotype that they they feel that they that if they go out of it, they're going to be challenged, and they don't like that. So it's part of less vulnerability and part of that. What are some of your favorite interview moments? Oh, some of my favorites. Um, you know, like I had I had Ryan Ryan Valley. He was one of the founders of Men Edmonton, and he came on the show, and he has an amazing story. And uh, um, you know, of story of, of challenges of when he was a kid and, and forgiveness and, and of him rising up to make this organization work. And his story was really affecting and really important um, for me to hear. And I feel, and I really wish a lot of people would just turn to like, that should be the first episode people should listen to. Um, to be honest, on the Madam Wendy podcast. Great. Well, we have a clip from that episode where Ryan talks about how he was able to forgive the person who brought violence into his home. And kind of the fallout of, of all this stuff happening is my mom was and my brother were pretty depressed for most of my childhood. And so I I took care of my sister a lot when she was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And um, so so we always had kind of a more like almost uh, 
kind of a protector. A protector, kind of. I learned like to be nurturing from having her in my right. life, and and so I I did really care about her, and so so it made me actually that that set me off on this whole. Um, actually, thinking more critically about um, myself and my experience, and 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 actually thinking about uh, about her dad and and his experience, and kind of, um, I had to sort of acknowledge him as a human being, and think about his, you know, all the stuff that actually happened to him, because he, you know, he actually he had brain damage. He had he was yeah. in a car accident. He had kind of like a he had a big fall from grace and all these things affected him. He was under a lot of stress. He couldn't right. couldn't get a job after that. And I mean, it doesn't, you know, I don't think that's just, just means that oh, it's fine, but I think it means that he's a human being that has a lot of um, different circumstances. And when I really thought about his story, I mean, then he, you know, he had a very tragic life as well. And, right. um, it just made me really think about, you know, this that that cycle has to stop. You have to mm-hmm. be the change mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. And if I want to be, you know, do I want to be another part of the problem, or do I want to be someone that's that's trying to mm-hmm. um, to to make a make a difference and actually do something that that helps deal with these problems? Yeah, totally. That is that's incredible that you found that level of. Um, of empathy and working towards um, this healing process because that is probably one of the hardest things for a lot of a lot of men to do. How have your guests helped shape you? I think every time I have a guest on and I have an interview and I talk to somebody about this, I always learn something amazing about this, about them. Um, for example, I had my cousin on. Um, Jose, and he's a youth pastor over in Vancouver. And I was just curious about his ideas and stuff. But I learned from him a lot of stuff that I've never, ever, ever have talked to him about. And that was amazing for me to hear. Um, so from from them, I learned to be like, I should be more curious about the people I have around in my life. You know, I really want to do an interview with my dad. <laughs> just because I, I really want to know more about him, but I, there's, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know about him. <laughs> would he be into it? I think he would. I think he would. But I do learn a lot from my guests in the sense of like either theories. I've learned awesome, cool research theories from from people over in over in the East Coast that that was on the podcast as well. Um, I've had researchers on the podcast that, that have taught me a lot of different things about the media. But besides my work, I just I love listening to these stories. I love listening to the people that just have, you know, where they come from, where, why they're thinking about what they do, how they came out of a specific struggle. Like people who have had addictions problems, people who had uh, problems with infidelity, um, and they came out of it uh, stronger and felt uh, more vibrant and just a better human being just from the struggles that they have. And I was, I'm just fascinated by that. And like, it brings me hope. It brings me hope for humanity. It brings me hope for the society. And it brings me hope that to say like, these men are out there and they're trying to make the world a better place. And I just want to highlight that. You know what I mean? (laughs) So uh, do you have a vision of what the future could hold for masculinity? I hope that, 
like I have a niece and a nephew and they're, she's two and my nephew's five. Um, I hope that when they're in high school, university, when they're doing stuff like this, maybe they'll have their own radio show. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I hope during that time that we will, we'll stop talking about masculinity, that we're going to stop talking about gender in general, that we're just going to start talking about people. I think masculinity as a concept in general is completely made up. <laughs> I don't think that it, it, it actually exists. I think it's something that we brought on as a society um, because as soon as you start discovering masculinity, you realize other people have different types of ideas of masculinity. So, for example, in Western culture, we have an idea of masculinity. In India, you'll have a different idea of masculinity. In Asia, you have a different idea of masculinity. So if there's all these types of masculinities, those are just multiple masculinities. So if we expand that a little bit further, it says, okay, well, there's an infinite amount of masculinities. If there's an infinite amount of masculinities, is there such a thing as masculinities? I don't know. I don't think there is. So if we, I think if we evolved during that phase that we say, you know what, if, if we stop thinking of ourselves as men, specifically men and women, then we can move much further in society. And I think a lot of, like, I give a lot of props to the LGBTQ community, like queer theory and feminists, because they're having that conversation. I think men need to have that conversation as well, too. So that's the point of the podcast as well, is to have that conversation and to talk about different spectrums of masculinity. But I really hope during that time that we can figure it out. It's like, oh, yeah, we should just be better, better people. I think we'll be good. I'm, I'm a little bit gushy about it because I'm still a bit new to it. And I just can't get enough of the stories that are shared there and the compassion that is shared there and the vulnerability that is shared there. Yeah. So thanks so much for doing no, this project. No, I appreciate this. Yeah, no, I, I, I love doing this project. And I, the thing that really encourages me the most as well is that... Um, this is not just for men. This is for women, too. And this is for anybody, really, like any types of gender that want to listen to the podcast. And I've had listeners that that are all types of genders and they have said uh, cool things about the podcast. Is there anything that you want to add that maybe we didn't get to? Yeah, actually. Yeah, I do want to say something um, that the Modern Manhood podcast is a very pro-feminist area. And, you know, I think that the work that women do uh, specifically around gender and especially um, you know, like I said, the LGBTQ community has done a lot for the work around masculinity. And yeah, like I said, the Modern Manhood podcast is a very, is very pro-feminist. And um, I really would love feedback on it. And I really would love to know to make sure that um, what I'm doing reflects the work that you are doing as well, too. Um, so I am open for suggestions. I am open for feedback word up to everybody shout out to every, all the people who are doing a lot of, of, of feminist work queer theory and, st and all that kind of stuff around gender theory and because that makes me better and it makes my podcast better wonderful thank you so much for joining us yeah thank you next up we have Adam and Eve producer Rosiva Fork Jenkins interview with community organizer Teresa Whiskey Jack who helped put together the rally for Tina Fontaine Together, they explore the state of Indigenous rights in Canada at this crucial moment in history. Hi, my name is Teresa Whiskey Jack. I am from the Enoch Cree Nation. I sit on the Enoch Youth Advisory Council, and I am also what I consider myself an Indigenous activist. Uh, you also helped organize the 
flash mob march rally and randouts yes, for solidarity and justice um can you tell us about that well originally the colton bushi verdict came out and going over everything and i just i felt like it was wrong and that something needed to happen we needed to bring awareness and just to the canadian justice system and how wrong it is so i got in touch with my friend Stephanie Harp who works at the Institute for Advancement of Aboriginal Women and she put me in touch with April Eve who is the founder of the Solon Brothers and Sisters Awareness Movement and we kind of got together we started talking about doing a rally how we wanted to do it and then the Tina Fontaine verdict came out and we were like okay we need to do this now so this was on a Thursday last Thursday and we had the rally organized and ready to go by Sunday. Wow, so really short time period. Oh yeah, I was blown away by the turnout of the event because it was such a short time period and the fact that we were able to get everything together like drummers, speakers, and just get the awareness out so that we could get people there. Do you know how many people it ended up being around? Around 350. Wow, that's awesome. Yes, it was amazing. You mentioned some community people that uh, you reached out to to organize it. Anyone else you wanted to talk about that helped you organize it? Um, well, those two people were my my main people, like my co-organizers. Um, and then we had the, the drum group there, which is April's husband. I think it's the Nehialak drum group. Our community cookum Kathy was there to bless our event, and that was amazing. Jade Tatusis, Colton Bushi's sister, was also there, and I just want to give a shout-out to her and how brave and absolutely strong she was for getting up there and talking. And um, at the event itself, did you have other speakers, or kind of what did it kind of look like? Yeah, well, so we had our initial prayer done by Kokum Kathy, and then our drum group brought it in with an honor song, uh, and then we had... We actually had the Minister for Indigenous Affairs come and speak as well for the Alberta region. His speech is on the Facebook group as well for the event. Oh, awesome. Um, did you want to let people know where they could um, find that? Okay. It is called the Flash Mob March Rally Dance for Solidarity and Justice. Awesome. So if people go to that Facebook event, they can find all that yes. information. Yeah. Awesome. And I was wondering also what kind of um, inspired you to combine all three events, have it a flash mob, a rally, and a roundouts, um, instead of just choosing like one type of protest and yeah. going for all um, three. Well, the rally was initially chosen because it's, it's a rally. You know, we're rallying to get people together. And then we wanted to do the march because we felt like it was important to march past the police headquarters, the various people that failed. Not the Edmonton police, but, you know, the, the people that failed our Indigenous youth whose lives were lost. We needed to let them know that we are here, we are watching, we are wanting to make sure that, you know, like they know that we're there. Um, and then we wanted to finish off at the law courts because it is the justice system that failed as well. And then we did the round dance because as Indigenous people, that's just what we do. We come together in ceremony. Old, young, gangsters and cultural people, we all come together. We hold hands and we dance together and we pray for our people. 
So definitely felt like it was important to finish off with that ceremony. Yeah, I was wondering, what was your favorite part of the event? Oh, my favorite part. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I, okay, I was a nervous wreck because I, <laughs> I'm not in the spotlight a whole lot. Um, so I definitely think one of my favorite parts was probably just being able to be a leader in all of this. Um, but I love round dances. I absolutely love round dances. Like I said, being able to see the old and the young and the gangsters and the cultural people and, like, all of that, all of these people that come together hand in hand and partake in ceremony. It's a very powerful thing to see. Um, what kind of events would you like to organize in the future as well? Um, well, I would definitely love to hold another rally, just keep the movement going because, you know, we had that momentum and we had all of this happen and so many people were, like, there in support. But after a while, it, the momentum slows down and we can't let it slow down. We can't just idle anymore. We need to keep things going. We need to keep the movement going so that, you know, people know that we are still here. We're still fighting. So I would love to hold another rally. And just as much as public speaking freaks me out, I would love to be able to go out and just talk and tell my story and tell, educate people on the issues that Indigenous people are facing right now. Uh, what would you want people to know right now that Indigenous people are facing? I would like people to know that we, non-Indigenous and Indigenous people alike, we need to unite as a community and as a people, and we need to take action. We need a call to action for all of Canada. And for the Indigenous people out there, I would like you to know that when times are tough, look to your culture and ceremony for healing. You know, Indigenous people have survived hundreds of years of attempted cultural genocide, and we're still here and we're still fighting. And that gives me hope that one day we will have equal rights in Canada. And what are um, an action you'd like to see everyday people doing to promote solidarity and justice in Indigenous communities? I mean, I think, if anything, it would be really great if people just came to terms with the fact that there is still racism in Canada, because I think a lot of people are still in denial about that you know they don't see all these things that are happening as a race thing and those are the people that really haven't realized their privilege and it's, it's it's a very real thing like i have had and heard so many things like the best kind of indian is a dead indian and it's like this is like everyday life this is a struggle and a fight that we continue to fight every single day and it hurts like indigenous people are seen as less than and just because of who we are, just because of the color of our skin, and it, it sucks. How would you like to see the Canadian justice system take action? I think a true nation-to-nation relationship is needed. Well, yeah, action needs to be taken so that we can have a lasting and positive change, and First Nations people need full recognition for our rights, especially in the justice system. We need to be considered equal. The structures and attitudes that allow violence to continue must be examined and exposed, and a higher standard for human rights for First Nations people must be in place so that the families can have their peace and their closure and get justice for the loved ones that were taken in such a violent way. Because Indigenous people are six times more likely than non-Indigenous people to be victims of homicide, and we're a people that just make up 5% of the Canadian population. Is there anything else you'd like to say to everyone out there? I will 
think I would just, I would like to say that, you know, we need to give the power back to Indigenous people. And I don't mean like in the government or anything like that, just empowering other Indigenous people because like traditionally our women are the life givers, the knowledge keepers, storytellers, medicine women. And colonialism has impacted negatively on this thing that we see so that we hold close to us dearly as people. And we are like, we are people. And I think that's the thing that needs to get out is we're not just a stereotype. We're a people and we're a culture. We're more than just, you know, the drunk Indian or the, you know, all these other racist stereotypes that come up. We are more than that. We are educated. We, we pay taxes. <laughs> like, it's, it's ridiculous how many people feed into all these stereotypes. You know, the like media has shown to be, and we're, we're not those kinds of people. We're, we're just people. Definitely. I think about the Indigenous people in my life and how amazing and inspiring and how much they contribute to my life. Exactly. Like, we're so much more than just a stereotype. We are educated and we're strong and we're a beautiful people. We have a beautiful culture. If we were going to end on a song, is there any song you'd like to end on or you'd like to choose? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> a song. Stand By Me by Benny King. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see Welcome back to Adam and Eve, your feminist radio show on CJSR. My name is Marco Visconti. My name is Rose Eva Fox Jenkins. And my name is Harmon King. And we've come to the end of today's show. And we want to give a quick thank you to all of our guests. Thank you to Germán Villegas. Thank you to Teresa Whiskeyjack. We produced this week's show in the studios of CJSR FM 88.5 in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada on Treaty 6 territory. We are grateful to be on Blackfoot, Nakota Sioux, Soto, Métis, and Papa Chase Cree territory. We also wanted to say Happy International Women's Day on March 8th. Have a great time celebrating the amazing women in your life and around the world, even though you should be already doing that every day. Adam and Eve is a spoken word project of CJSRFM 88.5 in Edmonton, Alberta, and our journalism is funded by you, the listeners. For more information on our program and to send us any feedback, please contact us on our website, adamandeevecjsr.wordpress.com. We're always looking for more volunteers to help out, so if you're interested in learning any aspect of radio production, just get in touch. Have, Have a, a great Adamant, Adamant evening! evening. Ha <laughs> ha